this moment in my life made a lot more sense whenever I learned about Enneagram sixes. Um, but when I was engaged, I we went through a very long, like eight week course class for premarital counseling um, that included a lot of outside of the class time too with leaders or mentors. And just the whole engagement process, I spent a lot of time reading articles, reading books, asking each other a lot of questions. And one of the one of the benefits of this course that we took, they gave us like over a hundred questions that we should ask each other. And it was all about like expectations of marriage and expectations of your spouse. And I would like Google top one hundred questions to ask your spouse, like things like that. I would just Google it over and over again and find lists. And we would just like always like we were doing a lot of road trips back and forth to my family, his family, all kinds of stuff, showers, you know, all the things that you have to do with wedding prep. And we would spend all those road trips asking each other questions and going through those and answering them like each both both of us answering them and then coming together and like talking about it. Most of the time we like always laid it up on the right page together because we knew we were meant for each other. So um, it worked out well. But I think because of the lens of Enneagram, I could look back and know that that was me, me asking all those questions. At first, it sounded very five-ish to do. Um, but when I think, I'm pretty sure when I first, whenever I first was talked about Enneagram, I thought it was a five. And then I think you, Ben, were the one that were like, no, I don't think so. I think you're a six. Um, and I, so I thought that that was what it was, that I was just like the investigating it and investigating us. But I think what it really was, was me, making sure I could trust him um, and making sure that there was no doubt there and making sure that I avoided any, um, like I, that I would foresee every outcome in the future and make sure that there is no way in 5, 10, 15, 20 years that he would leave me. I think playing into both the being into fear of just, just fear in general, but then also fear of like abandonment, um, I think that's a big thing. Like just being mm. left is big, a big thing for us um, as sixes. Um, and so, yeah, so I think that's one of the moments in life where I was like, oh, that's why I did that. My motives there were, I mean, it's good motives, but it was me making sure that there was there would be no way that I would be surprised by anything mm. bad in marriage and we prepared for all of it. A good friend had told me that was like her biggest advice um, whenever we got engaged. She was like, do all your hard work while you're engaged and will make marriage easier. And so I like really, really tried to make sure that like our engagement was like way more rigorous than our marriage would be. And I think it worked out, but um, yeah. So 400 questions later. No, like, really yeah, we, we asked like, and Carter's questions, <laughs> we would be the road trip and he'd be like, okay, rank, you have to give your top three, go in order from three, two, one, uh, flavor of potato chips. And I'm like, okay. And then I'm over and you're here. Like, and would I'm you like, ever kill someone for potato chips? <laughs> to know exactly. Who do you expect to buy those potato chips? Yeah. yeah. If all of a sudden I can't use my arms, how fast are you out? <laughs> Whoa. <Yes. laughs> Way more deep than that. That's funny. Yeah. As a five, the way that that goes is Em and I are in the car. And I were talking and I'm like, yeah, I spent the last three days re- researching the top five questions you should ask your spouse and like <laughs> pulling them all together. And I've, I've figured out which ones are the top ones. <laughs> and then she's like, you want to talk about it? I was like, not really. But I figured it out, though. <laughs> <laughs> but if, it, if we ever need but this if we list, ever need this ever, list ever, I know I it. Nailed it. I, I know it. it. Find ourselves <laughs> maybe on a road trip. Right. Like right now. Right. Uh, so... We just bought a house, um, and that's been really exciting, really stressful. Everything that, um, yeah, similarly on the lists, um, you know, when you go do those research lists, and it's like USA Today is where you end up, which is like you shouldn't end up there, but you do. <laughs> um, but it's it's a stressful thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like it is it is um, because I think it's it's foreign. Like you're you're we don't know uh, the average person doesn't know contracts. Uh, in this in this level of, of depth and complexity and making sure that everybody's covered and it's it's all for your benefit but it's new and I you know I wanted to make the right decision um, and so the first thing that I do is imagine absolutely everything that could go wrong um, and then 
it's you know a matter of like okay so when these things happen because they all absolutely will um how how do we respond are we ready and so therefore is this the right decision to make now right nothing has happened nothing is nothing uh nothing bad has happened and i'm already like well we're, we're gonna have to prepare for that we're gonna have to be ready for for when when things really really go wrong and so therefore should we make the decision now at all never mind that we we live in a neighborhood that we love that we don't imagine leaving um that we we found a house that was in solid shape you know kind of down to the studs all these all the things that you want i'm ignoring all of those details and i'm just saying like yeah but is this a wise decision for when when everything goes wrong and we we were sitting um, you know, I'm like, is it going to resell at, at what value in five years? Okay. What if we leave at three? Does that, does that feel good? What's the neighborhood trend? All that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and, and to your point, like some of that is like a healthy thing. You you want to get some of that thought out in front, but really what happened is that we, we signed on the house, we go over and, um, every time my wife and I have moved, we will have dinner on the floor in the new place, like before there's any furniture in it. And it, it's one of my favorite things. Um, while I do hope that we move less now in the, uh, <laughs> I, I hope it's something that we always do. Um, and so we're, we're sitting there eating a pizza and drinking our realtor got us like a bottle of wine at no cups. So we're just kind of passing this bottle of wine back and forth. But I, you know, I looked at my wife and I was like, Hey, I, this is the part where you step in. Um, because I can tell you right now, we just bought a house and I'm already thinking about selling it in five years. And I am completely missing living in this house with you, mm-hmm. um, starting a family, um, building a life that we want to want to build, hosting people, the dinner parties, like all of the, those things that I love about life. I'm I'm putting all of it away for the fear and the plan of when our next move has to happen, um, and I feel like that's a good. That's a, that's been a good picture for how how I see things. I think I miss some of the beauty and some of the sweetness um, because I'm I'm planning for it. Not even the next bad thing, but the the next big thing um, that I'm, I miss the small things. Welcome to Story Shape Life, a podcast where we try to help make sense of the stories we believe about ourselves, others, and the world we live in. We're your hosts, Ben and Sam. This season, we're focusing on the Enneagram a popular tool for understanding the way we view the world and the strategies that we use to interact with it. Join us today as we talk about Enneagram Type 6. Oh, welcome to Episode 7, talking about Enneagram Type 6. That's not confusing oh, at that's all. so confusing. Yep. I'm glad we did this. Yeah. <laughs> Can we just call like a like the intro episode or episode 1 an intro episode so that then it's like intro, episode 1, Episode two. A little zero. But do that yeah. anyway. But the episode but thing will still, still include count what it. I just said. Yeah, okay. So it confuses people Great. even more. <laughs> so start do that again. All right. Welcome to Enneagram Type Six, which is episode six. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we have two oh, awesome guests today. Do y'all want to just introduce yourself, say your names, and then three things about yourself? Whatever you want. Oh, yikes. Uh, okay. My name is Vince Kelly. First thing is that questions like this stress me out. Oh, same. Uh, I love playing Dungeons and Dragons, and I am from the Great White North nation of Canada. That's it. Is that really what you, how Canadians speak of themselves, the Great White Northerners? Yeah. It's oh, a big, like, well, like Game of Thrones kind of has changed that tone a little bit. Uh, there's like a little bit of North pride. Got it. It's come out. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Cool. I would like to note that for those of that are listening who don't know you, their only reference to you yeah, this is, is you're afraid to answer the question. You <laughs> like Dungeons and Dragons and you're from Canada. Which I don't know <laughs> if that's if the you most could... representative <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It is, of those questions. It is yeah. the most perfect picture <laughs> of who I am. Oh, good stuff. Vince is uh, also married. Yes. Okay, so there are better bits of information. Okay, okay. Just my, trying. My I'm name really is helping. My name is Vince. Um, I am married uh, to an amazing woman named Mariah. Uh, we're having a great time. Uh, I work in kind of a tech laundry service uh, business. I, I run our operations center uh, for that. 
Um, okay, a third thing about myself. I think this does apply. I, I, because I think it's a weird one, I really do love playing Dungeons and & Dragons. And, and it's, an, it's an outlier for me. And maybe for sixes or maybe not. We'll, we'll learn more, I guess, today. Uh, my name is Chelsea Willis. Um, I am married to, I think people already know. Right, they would yeah, have already yeah. listened to, yeah, my husband is Carter, he's on the Enneagram 2 podcast. If you haven't listened to episode type 2, God. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't listened to the episode about type 2s, go do, go that. do that, because yes. Carter's on there. Yes, I work at the same company as Vince, so True. great, there goes info number 2. This episode is brought to you by University Laundry. <laughs> really though? Recording in our warehouse. And uh, my hobby would be uh, baking cakes or just baking in general. Um, but love to bake a good cake. Love a good excuse to bake a good cake. Uh, also, the story that I shared about Enneagram Type 5s, Vince was the, and Chelsea were both there for that. So Honestly, our podcast is just going through the different members of this Dungeons of the and Dragons D&D game. Group. And like, yeah. It kind of is. It's like our family. And our Dungeons and Dragons group. <laughs> That's what it's, it's becoming. A, yeah, it's just behind the scenes. That's great. Exactly. Okay, so we have basically given every type a name based off of their two kind of core elements, um, and that is their social strategy and their core awareness or core motivation. Mm. At this point in type six, everybody should have heard that at some capacity, so we're not going to go over what those are in detail. But the name that we've given um, the type six based on those two things is the receptive belonging seeker. So our first question for you guys is, how do you see that social strategy, like being receptive uh, to opportunities, being open to opportunities, play out for you guys as sixes in one-on-one relationships? So I think for me, a word that I use a lot is uh, like the word democratic. In no way is that, like I don't mean that politically, or I guess I use it sometimes to, to mean politically, but uh, it is more of like the the, the best decision is the decision made by the largest group of people, right? And so it is therefore the voice of of the group. But uh, the way that that plays out for me in a one-on-one is that I'm actually looking for the other person because now it's only one. Um, I don't have the ability to make a decision on my own when, when it's going to affect anyone else. And so I'm looking to that other person to make the decision for the two of us. I'm, you know, to use your word, I'm, I'm receptive to your idea wholly and completely. Mm. Uh, and so then if I disagree with you, I'm in a really interesting spot and I'm going to end up sounding like I agree with you for a while. Uh, you know, cause I, I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm in a corner. I asked you for this, mm-hmm. but now I don't like what I've heard or other options where it's like, I truly don't care. Please, please make a decision because I want, I want you to be, I want you to be happy. I want this decision to be made democratically. Hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. I feel like similarly, I have a gauge that's like running to see how, like when I'm in conversation with you, how trustworthy do I find you? If you say anything that lowers my gauge of my, uh, your, of the gauge of my trustworthiness in you, then I'm less likely to take whatever you say as mm. like, as like truth or as like, an like opportunity. yeah. And we'll move on. That's really good. That's interesting. I don't think we've asked this question. I wouldn't have known to ask it until now actually. And that is, for receptive types, again, you share that with sixes, twos, and ones. Yeah. There's going to be a difference in like what types of uh, flags or pings you're looking for. Yeah. I think for twos, uh, if I can speak for them, Carter and Emily both talked a lot about like looking for opportunities uh, of need, a way that they can engage the other person by offering something, by by fulfilling something, right? Not only that's that would be stereotypical, but that is one that they're just very aware of. And you just kind of mentioned this like receptive to proof of safety or proof of yeah. right. And I don't know, that's really well, interesting. And even like on the loyalty side too, like I'm only going to be loyal to you if I can tell that you're going to be loyal to me. Mm. But and so as soon as I feel like either this is like a new one on one scenario or like a long standing friend like even then like if as soon as my gauge lowers and i feel like you're no longer being loyal to me you're no longer being trustworthy to me i'm out i'm not going to be trustworthy like i'm not going to trust you i'm not going to be loyal to you yeah no so the word loyal was coming up in my brain for that too because i think there's a moment like when i'm asking for these opinions or i'm asking uh uh, and it depends on the situation right but like what i'm what i'm trying to find is a cause that i can get behind 
right? And so that cause has to come from you because I'm not about to forge my own trail. Um, and so I'm, I'm looking for people to whom I can be loyal um, and which is heavy handed at a cocktail party, um, <laughs> um, but, but plays out in some like yeah. more serious interpersonal relationships. Yeah. The standard is, is really high for you, but, um, I'm looking for something that I can, I can get behind. That's really good. I feel like this yeah. makes it sound like I'm a, my friendship is a club that you have to like pay a price to get in and <laughs> get it's not like that yeah. at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. I mean, but, it's a good analogy in some ways. Like it's yeah. not a, Yeah. It doesn't mean it's like uber exclusive or like, you know, but right. but a sense of like, I'm looking for something right before I'm going all in or yes. whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it's so, really good. Flip side of that same question would be, I think we all run into situations where our social strategy kind of fails us. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what situations have you gone through or examples you could give where your social strategy just kind of didn't work out in the way you wanted it to? Hmm. So I guess in like a small way, like small, almost daily kind of happening, it, it I will end up um, playing devil's advocate a lot. And I think the reason for that is I got behind something and then the other side got fleshed out. I was like, oh, that's mm, a pretty solid argument over there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, 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 and maybe this is, uh, what I don't want to do is speak for sixes. Sure. Vince as a six, right, is, is uh, always the lens that anyone should hear any words that I'm using. But like, uh, oh, wow. Okay, that was a, that was a really g- great argument on this side. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change... Not, not even change my opinion because I don't think I ever formally said I stand with this, um, but I'll do that a lot. And, and I think I can write that off as like, oh, it's good because it helps us fully explore all sides of this, of, of this conversation. Um, but there's an element of that too, where it's just like, yeah, or Vince just didn't know what he was talking about until 30 minutes into this dialogue, yeah. which will probably happen in this podcast episode as well. Yeah. I think in, yeah, when, when, when red flags come up and, loyalty or trustworthiness or affirmation is not coming in how I would want it to or how I expected it to. Um, I'm immediately argumentative or I don't know. I'm so bad with words, y'all. Um, you used the word counterphobic. I think you're fine with, with words. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, more like synonyms, I guess is what I'm not good with, but yeah, like I'm just much more, I, 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 I know to trust my gut. I think I lot of, like I am, even though I trust my gut in the end, I still will look for validation from everybody around me um, just to make sure that the validation lines up with my gut. Yeah. It's, it's almost like it's a lot easier for people to throw off your balance of your decision if they don't agree. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it, it's a matter of balance almost like you might have your opinion and still go with it. Yes. It just makes it so much harder yes. if people aren't on board with it. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that plays out like in weird social settings, like, uh, like I have a, a code of how you act in a restaurant, right? Like it's like, you don't, you don't send your food back. You don't do these mm. things. Like it's like, there, there are like, there's like a list of things. that's like, but this is what, this is what socially is acceptable. And so like, I don't want to rock that. Right, like, like I am trying to fit in with with what I have decided is like the the, the norm, right? Because I just want to be in balance, to to use your word, with like the 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 social picture of yeah. this restaurant in harmony, right? Yeah, uh, that's the way that you say that about the sending food back. Because I'll literally never ever send a dish back, even no. if it's the complete wrong order. I'll just be like, yes, actually, this is what I wanted. I said this thing, but I really wanted this thing. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, oh, I didn't know that that was in that sauce. I don't like that, but it was on me to learn that yes. before ordering. Yeah. Mm. It's not their fault. I don't want to make them feel bad for it. It's my fault for not paying attention. So I will suffer through this thing that has crushed red pepper flakes that'll send my mouth through the roof. <laughs> totally. <laughs> but, but I'm just going to suffer through it. It is fascinating to me the similarities between type twos and sixes in this regard, like the way some of these things work out. I think there's obviously some big differences, but sure. like Emma would be the exact same way in that sense. Like she'd be like, no, no, this is what I wanted. I'd be like, no, it's literally the opposite. <laughs> yeah. You hate spicy food. 
yes. send it back well, or, and that's or, like, what or just or tell them be, you don't like spicy food. Carter, like if it happens to me, Carl will be like, oh no, we're going to immediately tell these people that we need a different dish. Like we're mm-hmm. going to say everything. But even in social settings with other people and like their dish comes in and it's wrong and they thought it was something else. I'm just like, oh, tough luck. Like you should have read the menu a little bit harder. Yeah. And I, I would, I wouldn't uh, go, go to bat for them. Mm. Yeah. And like, never mind that I'm in a place that is designed to right. like meet the needs of its customers, right? And like <laughs> that it would be like th- that's th- what it does, yeah. right? The waiter has a better time when they know that we're all driving, yeah. And yes. I'm just like, no, I'm going to suffer in silence, yeah. Uh, it's going to forever alter my opinion of this restaurant. <laughs> but also, <laughs> it goes unfair. into like knowing how wait staff is treated by the majority of other people, and I don't ever want to be the person that a waitress goes home and like complains about how I acted or what I said, I'd never want that to happen. Mm. And so I will always just suffer through it so that they can continue to have a good day and think that they're doing everything great. Yep, because it's the social picture that is supposed to happen Yeah, in a restaurant. That's yeah. very so good. I'm just playing a part of it. That's very good. Yeah. So before we started this episode, I said this off microphone, off camera, off microphone. Uh, yep. Uh, but I always have this hidden fear that I'm a closeted six. Uh, okay. I'm a four, but I, I always just have that in the It back is a of good thing to be afraid of. And <laughs> <laughs> the, one of the things that I can definitely relate to is is that like almost overtly being aware to the point where it's detrimental of like everyone around you. Mm-hmm. It, and the restaurant is just such a great image of that. Like the reason I won't send my food back is I don't want the waiter to get in trouble if he grabbed the yep. wrong plate yeah. or like did the wrong thing because I'm like, oh man, I, I know he must be working hard. Oh yeah. Uh, like it's even a Friday if it's night, a terrible a waiter that's 13. like doing a terrible job, I'm yes. like, you know, yeah. there's probably a reason like probably having a bad day. Yeah. It, I understand that. And so there's this like this awareness of things that we don't really need to take on ourselves um, that keeps us from really doing the things that we think we should do. Right. Yep. Yeah. No, that that's, that's really good. Yeah. There's like, and there's that element of like three in there too, where it's like my my social image is also affected. Right. Mm, And so like I, um, I, I pride myself on being somebody that gets it. Yeah. No, no, no. I like, I understand. I understand the plight of the wait staff here. There's yeah. no plate, right? Like, mm-hmm. or, like yeah, whatever yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. you know, and I'll, I'll write these stories. And so it's like, therefore I'm going to, I'm going to take a part of it. <laughs> yeah. And so I get really let down by people who don't take a part of it, even though no one asked us to. Yeah. So when we talk about the Enneagram, um, partially because of its popularity right now, partially because it's one of those things that since it's about personality, it's about a lot of things in our life. Um, but there are cultural expectations that we've noticed um, that tend to surface up with different types. Mm -hmm. Um, So our question for y'all would be, have you noticed any or perceived any culture expectations on you uh, in reference to being an Enneagram type six? And I think especially where this, this question has developed and has been really interesting is as a male or female. Oh, this might be like helpful here or this might be accurate here, maybe. Um, I f- Specifically, uh, when it comes to my work life um, and threes uh, or, or the, the, the three V6 kind of thing, I think the thing that comes up for threes a lot is task execution, right? Like they are, they are um, achievers in the sense that they get stuff done. Um, and so like when I'm really stressed out, like I, I go to like, what can I accomplish to get done? But I think that that, um, that minimizes the six's ability to like consider all sides. And I think there's a, there's an element where I, I need to ponder. Um, I, I make, de- I make big decisions slowly and democratically and, and check it against a lot of people because there, there will come a time when we, when we switch into achievement time um, after the plan has been laid out. I think one of my all-time favorite, and I believe it's an Abraham Lincoln quote, he's like, if I was given six hours to chop down a tree, I would spend the first four sharpening the ax, right? And like that is my philosophy on work, specifically on work. Um, and so I think sometimes the societal pressure 
of achievement is just start chopping. Just start chopping. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it kind of minimizes that four hours that I that I, I think are really valuable as a six, but I also think I owe to the teams that I work on as a six. Yeah. Um, no, no, no. I can I can help with that part. Let's but let's yeah. slow down for a little bit and think about it. That's yeah. very good. And and we talk about this a lot in like the term like your power, your ability, what you bring to the table. Sure. And a lot of that is just that pondering, that decision making that comes before the decision. And when when the pressure's put on you to to just perform, then you lose out on what you you are best at doing. Yeah. Yeah, like on what it means to perform well as a six, like or yeah. or with with my my talent. I also think that, that 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 can kind of extend beyond like I don't think that that's just because like oh you're a 6 you should be more like a 3. I think that there's a little bit of modern America in that in terms of like achieving is what what we're supposed to do and drive is what you're so like there's a we're, we're all supposed to have drive but there's a certain kind of drive that is like yeah but what did you produce right today um that that I think can be reductive. I also feel like we have I think some people would view it as negative, but we have this like the, a big fear of authority and approval of authority in some particular in the work setting to do something, to make big decisions, to just go ahead and drive forward without seeking approval from a boss or a co like, or someone on the same level or something like that is like, uh, is so far out of my mind. Like, I don't know if I could ever just like w- come into work one day and just be like, no, we're going to change everything or like whatever we're going to do X, Y, and Z because I, think this is right i would always have to have approval of something yeah and our culture kind of highlights and glorifies the maverick the 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 spearhead or the one that like yeah yeah, yeah exactly did like was the driving force that like right. made this and uh i just don't like i don't know that that might just be me thing and, and not like a whole six thing but um i just can't imagine myself ever just like waking up one day and just like doing that um and without ever consulting either either someone anyone I view as an authority it doesn't have to be a boss but like um like friends or even Carter who I view as someone above me that would be able to make decisions for me Mm. but I think like you would you would still spearhead a project like it's just like your our our like research and checks and balances phase is longer. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But that's an important distinction. Sixes are less likely to um like to like wear all the weight of something and to like be able to like to say like no I did do this like like if, if I did spear something yes. like we're less likely to be like no this was my idea like yeah. it'd be like, no 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 so and so advised me to do this so and so helped me get it done so and so helped me with this area like I would never be like yeah yeah this is all my idea this is all my doing um which and once again true and false like there's like some true to that something true to that and something false to that but um but yeah less likely to ever like I feel like threes always have this like ability to ability to spearhead ability to take it all on and do it all. And we have a, more of the need for the checks and balances. Yeah. yeah. And I think what's interesting in that is the, the sharp difference of the way that's perceived in culture and on a one-on-one level. Cause on a one-on-one level, I assume that most people respond pretty well to that. Like, Oh, they want my opinion. I love giving my opinion. They're involving everyone. Like, in a sure. work setting, wow, he's just asking everyone's opinion. This yeah. is great. We have a voice. But on a cultural level, it's like, oh, that person doesn't have the guts to make the decision quickly. Right. Won't make it fast, whatever. It's just, So there's this like sharp distinction of it being really valued on a, a group mm-hmm. setting yes. and not as valued on a... Well, and it's even like, I feel like even even still in the work setting, like in an interview process, they want you to be like, oh, you spearheaded this, this, and this, for sure we're going to hire you. Like you did this. But then as soon as you're on the team, it's like, but also like when you're here, like make sure you collaborate with everybody yeah. and make sure you're a team player. Interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. There's I've never heard uh, like a value when you're interviewing for a job as like uh, something that you would highlight as like, I kept this group together. Right? Like that, <laughs> totally. That is not a something that we would normally no. highlight is like, I kept these people from splintering off into like the void. Yes. And this whole company falling apart or whatever. But that is absolutely a reality and a superpower that sixes have. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's there's like the, there's a desire for me. 
I, culture says you need to be the visionary and the leader and then the executor, mm-hmm. right? Um, and like get it done. But I, I have a deep desire to sit under strong leadership uh, and sit, uh, you know, kind of sit behind strong vision and say, okay, where are we going? What do you want to do? Then I check with myself, do I believe in this or not? Can I be loyal to this cause? If yes, then to the end, we're, we're going to make this happen, um, right? I think that that's a pretty cool thing. Um, and I think that really strong vision is a cool thing, you know? And so it's like, sometimes it's hard to just stay in the lane of like, no, I, I, I do want to be the number two. That, yeah. I, that was, I think I said this, I don't even know how much I remember, but I said this in my interview here, whenever I interviewed Torek here, um, that like my dream is to always be number two. Like I never want to be number one. Uh, like in any high school club, any college club, I was always, my goal was to be vice president and I was mm. vice president of a lot of stuff. Um, I never had a desire ever to be number one. Which is really funny. This is not to say that we don't need the number one. We absolutely do. But if you, what's the the study and that the, the YouTube video that the study is built off of where the guy is like dancing in the field by himself. You ever seen that? There's like a whole entire study on done on this in this old like YouTube video where basically this guy goes out and he's like dancing in a field or like on a hill by himself and just being a weirdo because he wants to. Yeah. And then a second guy comes up and starts dancing with him and then it becomes a mob. And and there's like, I think it's a Ted talk. Maybe it's done on it. Oh, okay. And it's basically like why you need a number two. And mm-hmm. he was like, yeah, this guy had a vision for a giant party, party with yeah. a bunch of people. But until the second guy came along, it wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's what I think of with sixes is that ability to like to activate some of that for for the number one. Yeah. And continuing with that train of thought, um, we've been talking a lot about what each type kind of brings to the world. Uh, and I know that's super general and it might take a second to think, but um, what are some examples of ones we've used in the past? Uh, so Carter came up actually with a really good analogy for this. He talked about if, if every type, uh, basically there's a giant boxing ring and every type is standing there and there's different enemies like kind of big giant universal problems that present themselves and each Enneagram type is kind of going up against one. Like what does your, what problem steps up and your type is like, I got this. So for type twos, it was insecurity. And then type twos kind of weapon of choice is empowerment. Hmm. So insecurity steps up and they're like, I got this. I'm swinging some empowerment. I'm going to, I'm going to vanquish it. Um, very D and D vanquish yeah what a word roll 20 yeah um (laughs) auto crit yeah is okay whenever we're done um uh type fives we talked about tuned out you're right they're like what i just heard they closed it they're like unsubscribe i don't know what happened so many words anyway the type fives uh we came up with um clarity uh, to confusion so confusion steps up and we're like yeah yeah i got this if this is confusing if we don't know what what this even looks like it's all fog i got it and i'm going to be bring clarity as my primary weapon of choice um so one thought that i had there was and and i don't know if the problem is 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 this but in a world of isolation we bring collaboration because we because we can't we can't make a decision on our own right we're going to ask, you know, but, but I think the beauty in that, the, the positive in that is that there are these silos um, in a workplace. It's silos of information um, in, in friend groups, it's silos of, of feelings and desires and, and longings um, in, in, you know, romantic and non-romantic relationships. There's this like, let's, br- let's kind of bring it all out. And, and, and because we believe that like this works better together. Mm. Do you like the, I think that's very good. Do you like the word collaboration? The only thing I, that feels a little uh, public workspace-y. Exactly. Yeah. A little bit. So <laughs> I like the, but I still like the idea of isolation a lot. Okay. Uh, I would pick that and then counter that with cohesion. I still mm. like the word cohesion because the idea of like bringing things together, but it doesn't matter if you're working together, like collaboration. Um, I think the the first thought that came to my mind was just like if boxing ring analogy Whatever is coming up for the twos, whatever is coming up for the threes. That was your hobby. Um, 
So right, yeah. Thank you. Babe. Huge boxer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's. Massive. I mean, so I wish people on radio could understand just how jacked he is. Um, like if what was the two's uh, insecurity? Like if insecurity is coming in, and then there's a uh, like bring in a second one and call us up to bat. Like whatever it is, like all the other categories is not like I feel like we're up to go. Like what we're like just ready to support the number. Like the, to support the two to support the. Yeah. So you don't have a specific enemy. You're just like right. I'm just saying, just like tag teaming yeah, yeah. For whenever, all the other whenever groups. a second one comes in, whenever something too big for one to handle comes in, then like call a six in. Your problems, cohesion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense, right? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's good. So, people have been nailing these. Yeah, which makes me so happy because I think it counteracts the idea of. Uh, the stereotypes for each type very well. And it, and something that we said early on in this podcast is the idea that like this is offers people opportunity. Like the reason that we ask this question is because we want people to think about like, what is the superpower that I have so that you can bring that to the table in every opportunity, every situation. So whether that's like with my spouse, when they're, they're sinking into isolation, how can I bring cohesion mm-hmm. to that? When I'm uh, in a group of people, like when I'm at my job, when I'm with yeah. my friends, right? Like it's it's a it's a universal superpower. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of opportunity there. So outside of like, you're good at making friends, you're good at reading books. It's it's like way <laughs> deeper than that, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's why I like just this what question. people have come up with this. Yeah. Like the, it's been really good. Yeah. So as we near the end of this episode, I'd love to just hear some advice you would have for people who are also Enneagram type six, many of who, who might have just discovered <laughs> through listening to this podcast that they think they're type six. Um, man, man, that's so good. I think this is going to be advice for me as much as it will be for, for whoever hears this and it resonates with, but um, chances are you have, a, you have been given a community that is pretty solid um, and you have been given a community that you can trust because that's, that's the way we do. So therefore being surrounded by that kind of wisdom, trust your gut. Like, I think that that is the, that's the hardest thing for me to do is say like, yes, I've checked this against everybody. It's decision time. But like, what does your gut say? Uh, and trust it because I don't think it's something that we do enough. And I think that it is, it is something that when done will make the world a better place. You've already done all the work. You've laid all, you've laid all the groundwork that you need to lay so that you can wholly and completely trust, trust your gut. Yeah. Something that I've learned of myself that has been, that, that is, I have changed that I think most sixes could benefit from. Um, we have a tendency towards pessimism and the fear that we um, have that we hold on to creates us to be just rather negative negative. Um, and as much as we want to spin that, I always like to spin that and say, I'm not a pessimist. I'm a realist. I'm just dealing with an awful world that we live in. Um, but (laughs) it's, I mean, something a pessimist would say, right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Like, no, I just constantly thinking about negative things. Um, so, which is, um, just not good for you (laughs) to think negatively all the time, whether you're thinking of, um, about yourself and thinking like looking in the mirror and first thing in the morning and like a negative thought comes up or um, just like someone passing by a friend or anything like just negative thoughts. Um, they're always, that is always the first thought to pop in mind whenever someone's like, give me your first thought about that, whatever some a situation, situation like that. It's always negative based. Um, so something in the past couple of years that I've really tried very hard to change and is was, for a while of a huge effort every single time I had to do it. But now comes second nature is thinking positively first. Um, and forcing my, for a while was forcing myself to come up with positive things about others, about myself, about anything. Um, because my tendency was to always come up with a negative first. So fighting against that to try and be a positive thinker, not wholly. I'm never going to be, a fluff person that's just going to be like, oh, everything's going to be okay. Like we do need our negative, like our, our, our ability to see into the future and trust our guts. We need that, but we also need positivity. And 
um, we are going to constantly think negative about ourselves and think the worst of ourselves. And so, yeah. um, which leads to a huge lack of self-confidence and a huge lack in self-worth. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so I think, I think my advice would be to practice a positive thought just being the first one after that everything else can be negative mm. but the, the yeah. <laughs> i good. don't care what you do after that but yeah having um making myself find the positive in things that's very good yeah yeah well the the kind of last the follow-up to that is then what advice and i say this as somebody who knows both of you and loves both of you and would love to know the answer for myself what advice do you give to uh people who are in relationships with type sixes I don't think a message that I hear overtly enough, but like words of affirmation is a, is, is one of those, right? Like telling me, like affirming me in things and in in decisions that I'm making for, for someone who has just said that one of the biggest things I need to work on is trusting myself, um, being told why I should trust myself, being told that I am trustworthy uh, being told that I've got a good head on my shoulder, like those things that wrecks me to my core, right? Um, because if you are in my social circle, like I put you there, right? Because I'm yeah. I am loyal to you to the end, and so so to hear that from from people that you're in relationships with, I, I think that that really starts to transform our mental and and our and our mental picture of ourselves. To Chelsea's point about that, like self positivity. Um, and so, yeah, telling me that I'm trustworthy. I, th- I think that's so interesting. I, I've always talked about the Enneagram as a tool for empathy, ultimately. That's, that's good. And, and the idea of realizing, oh, they're testing my trustworthiness, but they're t- testing their own trustworthiness all the time. Right. And, and, and realizing that my words can have such an influence mm-hmm. and, and yep. you believing that for yourself. It, it it it's super helpful for yeah. those who aren't type sixes to realize that. And I think like another way, like like spending spending quality time is a great way to say like you're you're worth it too. Like there are other ways, but specifically like that that trust element. I think verbal is maybe one of the more effective ways. I, I think in that same vein, or kind of just on the same note of what we've been saying this whole time, um, but on the trusting side, to like to value the other person, like to value a six's opinion heavily Mm. um because i think or i'm confident that i have come to a like when when we've come to decision we've come to a road like i know that i have done the research the thought the planning ahead and i have made the best decision and and i know i know when when i've come to a decision that it has been vetted and so for my partner to value that and to, to know that I have put a lot of effort into this and to know that I have thought really hard ahead and that I am trusting my gut in this. I, I need my my partner to support that fully. And I, I think in times when I'm thinking about with, with Carter specifically, when it when that hasn't happened and when it's been moments of like, oh, you're, um, he doesn't say this, but like you're overreacting or you're just being over or whatever. That's when I like I am just like completely defeated and completely like no like I this isn't just my I never act on just my emotions that is yeah. not who I am yeah. so yeah I think I think putting more stock into your spouse's um, ability to plan foresee and to put more stock into their gut reaction their gut instinct I think there's an element of that because um, one of our our, our kind of like core feelings and and uh it is fear right like mm-hmm. and so when there's not that validation mm-hmm. and and i have come up and and i've trusted my gut and i've said here's what i think wholly and completely which doesn't come out very often mm-hmm. right when that's not obviously received well as a if not if not the answer a strong contender for the answer what am i yeah what can I bring to the table? Like, I'm, I'm afraid now that like, am I a fraud? Am I worth mm-hmm. it? Am I, yeah. and, and that's a dark place and that's not on the recipient right? that my heart goes there, right? Like that, that's on me. Um, but like that, f- that fear is, is legitimate and I, I want to belong. Um, and so I think there's a little bit of that yeah. in, in that too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And being aware, I think for the rest of us, being aware of that tenderness in that way 
I think everybody has those touch points, those those tender spots. Yeah. And for sixes, it's in that that space. It's being aware of that so that when we're talking through, we're careful, even if we disagree. Yes. On the on the decision or whatever, but to do it in a way that's like, hey, I validate the process which you've come yes. through that yeah. you've and done. And I feel like that's our really only area of weakness of of, of cushion where you would need to handle it more gently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Other time, other areas were just like. I don't know. We're 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 pretty tough. I feel like. Well, and like Chelsea brought it up in her story. Like, what if in in fifteen years you leave me, mm-hmm. right? Like, that was when my, so like when my parents got divorced, mm-hmm. I started asking these questions because they they'd been married over twenty years, almost twenty five years, and and they got divorced for for these different reasons, right? And and it was like now I'm sitting as a six. I'm sitting in the front seat of of this car. I'll never I'll never forget it. Asking Mariah, we're in college. I'm like, I need you, like, this is what I'm, this is what I'm going through. What if in 25 years you don't love me? How do I plan for that? Yeah. How do I plan for that? And the answer obviously is you can't, like, that's not, that's not the point. Um, But like that, that fear, it is so fast where Mm -hmm. it's like, am I worth anything? Mm -hmm. Like, am I like, like, and so, and again, that is not on those that are interacting with us. Right. That is, that is us. That is, that is where we go. Um, that is not true. Um, but that, that like knowing that, right. Like when, um, if if you hear my advice, you hear, you hear the thought and there is a better option happens all the time. Sure. Just being tender around that. Yeah. Right. Um, Right. It's not a, you don't have to, this is what I think is, is difficult in relationships in general. Uh, and we haven't really gotten into this and, and we probably more will more in another season or whatever, but the idea of that within relationships, uh, of any kind, you don't have to, you can both not cater to somebody's reality, felt reality. Yeah. That is not entirely true. Yep. And still be tender to it. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? Like both things can happen. Yeah. We're, we're just not very good at it. Like we haven't practiced it, uh, very well. Most of us, at least in America and, and, and that reality being, being sensitive to how is my communication, both inviting somebody out of some of the lies of their their narrative than yes. their implicit narratives and but also doing it in a way that's sensitive to like where they are right now in, in both and in, in kind of both pieces um yeah i think is a big deal yeah our like our number one quality of us is that we're free, fearful people um is both good and bad is that sometimes because of the fear we have we we do plan out the future well and we do foresee all the outcomes and so therefore like put stock and trust in whatever we have already planned for. But then on the flip side can be living in the fear and living in worst case scenarios, living in devil's advocacy where you just where we're, we don't see, we can't enjoy the house we just bought. Yes. Um, and so if you were planning on selling it in a month, Mariah would right. lean into it and say, Hey, you know, we can worry about this right now. Mm-hmm. You are, your head is in your, is the right place. This is what we need to be worrying about right now. I need to be on your level, mm-hmm. but you're not, you're selling it. Right. And not anytime soon. <laughs> no date. <laughs> no, zero yeah, yeah, date. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so that is when we need the pushback. Um, but that, that pushback in, especially in that area of where we do have fears needs to be so careful because that is all we really have is that ability. Not we have more than that, but um, to ever be to ever feel like my fear, my fearfulness is an overreaction or a totally. um, or is just uncalled for. In my brain, I know it's un- like you would know it's uncalled for for you to be like worried about selling a house in five years when you just bought it yeah. a week ago. But also in your brain, like you know that there's some like there is some validity to it, but it's just not. It doesn't need to be here right now. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I, I think. I say this only as like a counter that you said the most defining element is your fear. And I think Mm -hmm. the most defining element of a six is the, is the ability to create an us, Mm -hmm. not the fear of what is coming. I think that's a stereotype. And I say that as somebody who we just talked about in the last episode fives, the analogy that I used is we are, we are constantly fearful of every, of how every interaction could, is this shadow, how like what, what monster is behind every shadow. And therefore, like, uh, fearful of walking into a space, like trying to figure out, is like, is that a shadow of a tree or is it a shadow of a dragon? Like, what's the what's going on right now? And I, uh, for myself, I think I've experienced the uh, 
hope or excitement of somebody who can build a sense of us where I'm like entirely feel entirely incapable of that. So again, I say that as somebody who's like not good at that. It's like (laughs) lean so heavily on my six friends to bring that to bear because I feel like I can't. And it is, I'm absolutely thankful for that, for that reality uh, that I know like where I'm like, I feel like an awkward ugly duckling in a, in a social space that I'm like with these guys, they're just naturally going to create an us. And that's something I desperately desire, but have feel like I have no clue how to do. So thank you to type sixes. (laughs) We were actually talking about this the other day. There was, uh, we were reading some stuff up on a few other Enneagram writers and, Mm -hmm. and people and, um, one of the big complaints was that sixes were pr- portrayed as um, those who caused uh, like big cultural fear reactions. Oh, yeah. So like, and I, I don't want to get into to politics or anything like that, sure, but sure. It, the, the big perception was like, oh, there's a bunch of sixes that reacted in fear and that's why we're at where I we're at. I feel like any conspiracy theory out there is started because of the six. Yeah, I but the interesting so part of it is the whole opposite is true based on our conversation because what you have proven is that your type depends on careful meticulous studying of a decision and coming up with the best decision it is not a a a a, a quick reaction right. to fear it is it is a, a meditative uh, a wise honestly reaction to fear which completely debunks that idea that you're just reacting in fear to everything around you yeah I think it's I think it's an important distinction though that like uh, we're we, we're also swinging health and unhealth, yeah. right? Like like there like there are moments where it's like oh this could this could be the thing like you just said it's like oh I'm down for a good conspiracy theory always and like so like there is a little bit of element there there's an element of that as well where it's like in health are we seeking unity um, and and uh, again yeah not to get into politics but like it, that is a very uh, potentially unifying space. And so there's a lot of energy around like making the political scene better or making the church scene better or making the community, like what, whatever it is for you. Like, it's like, I, I'm going to get really passionate about that because I think that it's, I believe that it, it brings that unity um, to our detriment, you know, yeah. and, and yeah. the detriment of my Twitter feed. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the vein of Thanksgiving, that was kind of overblown. That's not that the right weird. word. Anyway. Love me some Thanksgiving. <laughs> okay. Thanksgiving medium is a t-shirt size idea that I have. Okay. Which is in between a medium and a large. Because uh, sometimes you need it. Oh, in the vein of giving thanks. <laughs> thank you guys for doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Man, thanks for having Really us. appreciate it. Um, I really appreciate across the board people's vulnerability in this podcast and how much they've shared of themselves. So yeah. Thank you guys for that. And uh, we will be back next week with Type Sevens, the great. What an adventure! Oh my gosh! Yeah, I'm so <laughs> so wild. All right, uh, have to do a couple round of shots at the beginning of that one. They probably will ask for that. So <laughs> let's be honest. It's just going to be listening to a party streamer for 45 <laughs> minutes. She's like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks. 